Welcome to What the Hell. Today we're going to go ahead and talk about uh, past lives. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, and it's, it's scientifically uh, thought out on this one, is only because of the whole basic fact of uh, uh, genetic memory. Mm, yeah. Like, uh, we, we end up having skills that we don't know we had, and like, like making fire or that whole thing of... Uh, uh, the chalk scratch on the chalk uh, mm-hmm. uh, chalkboard that it's basically one of those things that uh, it was uh, what do you call it uh, the cats the big cats and everything were mm-hmm. any kind of uh, predator that right. had claws and it was the breaking of uh, on uh, rocks yeah um, there and was they, a um... there was a movie just recently called Infinite. That was another thing that just popped in my yeah. head to do that. Um, the doctrine of um, metempsychosis is, above all, neither absurd nor useless. It is not more surprising to be born twice than once. Everything in nature is resurrection, and that was Voltaire. Um, known also as uh, metempsychosis and transmigration. Re- reincarnation in the concept of past lives has been has existed for thousands of years spanning back to the ancient uh, uh, celtic greek asian and indian traditions these days about 51 percent of the world's population believe in some form of an afterlife with about seven percent believing that we are ultimately reincarnated one of the most intrinsic beliefs of reincarnation is that most of us have lived many lives before and sometimes we can actually remember these past lives these past lives and past selves we tend to identify with as extensions of ourselves and our egos however as Sol elaborated in a previous article on reincarnation, quote, reincarnation of an individual self is only as possible to the extent of believing that your sense of self, your ego, is real. Two, identi- two identities who are dwelling within two different physical bodies in the present or in the past will be two very distinct personalities. In truth, the I is a transitioning, ever-changing phenomenon. Although our identities and senses of self are ever-changing, There is something that remains the same. There is something within us that is constant and continuous, and that is pure awareness. It is this very pure awareness which serves as the experiencer and observer of life. And it is this pure awareness that we can refer to as our soul. This this understanding of reincarnation closely resembles that of the Buddhist idea that the continuity continues, but the individual disappears. So although it is not necessary you or me who has experienced reincarnation in past lives, the ever-present soulful essence within us has. That, that was, wow. Um, I found an article, lonerwolf.com. It says 11 signs that your soul has been reincarnated many times. Um, uh, Past lives and, quote, your soul. Um, Let me see here. What does it say? Um, Number one, reoccurring dreams. Dreams are reflections of the unconscious mind, and while repetitive dreams may sometimes sometimes signify trauma, fear or issues that your brain is trying to process, quote-unquote, unfinished business, repetitive dreams can also potentially be reflections of past life experiences. Many people claim to have experienced certain events, seen particular people, or gone to specific places frequently in their dreams that feel very familiar and somehow recognizable. For example, I have often recurring dreams of a 15th century castle. This is not me, but the, the author of this article. Uh, 
recurring dreams of a 15th century castle that I have a distinct feeling of knowing very well, yet I have never seen or been to this castle before in waking life. Out-of-place memories. Um, recorded. There are recorded instances of young children who have had out-of-place memories that later proved to be oddly accurate in detail. While out-of-place memories could be due to simple fantasies, misunderstandings, or an inconcurrency in the ability to remember, there is, an, there is mounting evidence that suggests that out-of-place memories could reveal connections to past lives, or lives, past lives, thank you. Um, you have strong intuition. Uh, the in, intuition is the ability to ba balance the conscious and unconscious mind and tap into our deeper wellsprings of primal wisdom and intimate knowledge, or innate knowledge. It is said that the more we soulfully mature, the more we are closer to returning to the source, known as also as nirvana, eternity, or oneness, from which our souls can come or come from, and from which the collective unconscious, a body of universal knowledge, exists. Then there's also deja vu, or the glitch in the matrix. Um, yeah, that, that, that's more of glitch in the matrix. Yeah, deal. but I mean, it goes into deja vu. Um, it breaks into like the possibility of other dimensions, parallel universes, um, uh, being an empath. Um, empaths often absorb the emotions and in some instances the physical pains of those around them literally empathizing or directly feeling and experiencing what others experience um, empaths uh, go into greater depth about this unique breed of people um, well the the art or the author of this article goes into greater depth and it talks about identifying as an empath and absorbing the emotions of others could be seen in, in some instances as a psychological form of avoidance to bypass one's own problems and pin the blame on others. In other genuine cases, it can be seen as a sign of a soul that has undergone many previous reincarnations and has refined to the point of transcending the individual self and its problems extending to others as well. Ooh, okay. North, but, okay, so there's an amber alert out. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the the thing I was getting at is like uh, certain people are good at like uh, like really really they they have the talent yeah it, maybe that talent isn't like talent maybe the 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 genetic memory of that uh, being able to do that is always there and it gets passed down passed down passed down passed down it's like that uh, having a family of piano players right it's called rec uh, a retrocognition. Mm -hmm. um, it's the opposite of precognition, which is known as future sight or second sight. Mm -hmm. um, it refers to the ability to obtain information not usually available without past events. Uh, these past events could be in your own lifetime or sometime in the distant past. And of course, retrocognition, unlike precognition, is not easy to prove or verify. However, for those who have genuinely experienced, uh, experienced it, this ability could also be a sign of soulful reincar you know, re reincarnation. Um, they also talk about, um, you feel older than your age reflex. Mm -hmm. Some people are perpetually young at heart, i.e. us, yeah. um, even into later lives. And in, some, and in the same manner, some people just seem to have been born with old souls. So I hear that a lot too. Like, oh, you've got an old soul. Um, the experience of feeling older than your age reflex is commonly associated with having been reincarnated many times over and this is echoed in the soul age theory where there's a certain progression of soulful development from infant souls to awakened souls for example if you've reincarnated a few times on earth this would be reflected in the age of your energy and in this life you will display many primitive and childlike characteristics however 
if your soulful energy is reincarnated many times over, you will display many matured and wizened characteristics, such as ones mentioned in the article. Um, and if you feel older than your age reflects, then you might be a mature or old soul. And it goes on to talk about, like, um, if, if you've got a great affinity for certain cultures, time periods, and environments. Um, it's said that having a great unexplainable attraction to certain cultures or time periods is kind of like a past life residue rem uh, reminiscent of a certain place, culture, or environment that your soul may have experienced in past lives. For instance, you may have an uh, inexplicable affinity to Asian culture, Celtic artifacts, or the 19th century. Um, and then you've got unexplainable fears or phobias. Um, um, many believe that certain memories or experiences that are, can pass or leave residues in our childhoods and adulthoods from past lives. Whether this is true or is simply a form of problem bypassing, many believe that we can experience the echoes of past traumas in our own lifetimes in the form of unexplainable fears and phobias. Uh, examples can include the fear of drowning, the fear of certain types of animals, and... Um, the fear of certain places, the fear of particular numbers, colors, objects, and so forth. Um, and then, uh, was it number 11 here? <clears throat> you feel as though this earth is not your home. This is the interesting one. The, oh, wow, okay. The yearning to find your home can be seen as a reflection of the desire to return back to the source. Many people feel that this yearning to be reminiscent of an, athle uh, of an athlete running a long race and longing to reach the finish line. In the same manner, souls have been that have, re, uh, have reincarnated many times over express this basic need for finally completing the cycle and returning home. Feeling that this earth is not your <coughs> home is accompanied, often accompanied by chronic feelings of tiredness or weariness for life on earth. So, in other words, like from a theological standpoint, you know, they're talking about like they're just they're tired of being here, yeah. and it's like nothing. Nothing is nothing here is satisfying. Nothing here is fulfilling. That just they feel like they've been running the same race over and over and over and over and over again. They they like when they finally pass on, that they don't want to come back. They they want to just go home and rest. Yeah, so, and and it, that that's a good uh, point on the fact of uh, like the movie Altered Carbon. Where they had the stacks and they just yeah. they get in another body and everything like that, and there was a, a a scene, and I think it was episode four, or episode four or three, where the grandmother of uh, the detective just said, "Don't don't spin me back up." Basically, spinning up in that uh, genre is basically don't put me in another body to uh, reminisce my past. I'm done. You're never finished with uh, whatever you're doing. And that's what a lot of people like had the stacks and they just keep on getting into a new body and everything like that. Cause no matter what you're in, in life, you really are never finished with anything. Yeah. No, <clears throat> uh, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to let go. It is, it is. And so from a spiritual standpoint, while the, while the concept of virtual I mean, because basically Altered Carbon was, I mean, it was just um, a dystopian possibility for virtual mm -hmm. immortality because at that point, yeah, I mean, we still got the, you know, the, 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 the tried and true, you know, unstacked human beings. I mean, well, everybody's stacked, but um, you, you've got those people that are like, they, they've got that, 
you know, it's like a DNR kind of a thing. It's like when their bodies die or when their sleeves die, mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it's, um, that's it. Don't, don't re, don't re-sleeve me, you know, kind of a thing. Well, they also, in there, they had the, uh, the, the religious aspect where if you. Yeah, because in the first season. No, it was the second season. No, it was the first season. It was the first season. The the cop, her family was they were, they were Catholic. Yeah, devout Catholic. The Deva- devout Catholics, and the and and they weren't stacked. Yeah. So, but the daughter was the cop was stacked, and they were always giving her kind of like this this. They weren't giving her crap about it, so to speak. But they would like get their little barbs in, or they would just tell her like, "Hey, look, you know, we are really concerned for your soul." Yeah. And. And I, I think that as far as like that altered carbon universe, you know, that, that, that show takes place in it, they never really addressed the soul of a person because I mean, you, like you said, it's genetic memory. And at that point, I mean, they, they take your consciousness and they download it into a, a, a deck, yeah. you know, into a stack that can be reinserted into another sleeve. And then obviously they broke into all these governing rules, like there's no double sleeving and, and yeah. things of that nature. Um, and then you, I mean, you get these like military grade sleeves where they come pre preloaded with muscle memory, muscle memory for like advanced combat, or like or like the like the second one where he had like some kind of magnetic thing to where he can get he basically can uh, mm-hmm. pull the gun from yeah anywhere. that was the one with Anthony Mackie in it right yeah but um. But it was like uh, the the whole theory of uh, uh, Infinite with Mark Warburg mm-hmm. on uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah, I, I have it. not watched that one yet, but I, I, I... Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a good it's a good entertainment. It's good to watch once, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, because I, I fi- finally I finally got caught up with that whole Yellow Fever or Yellow Fever Yellowstone Fever, and dude, I'm 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 absolutely loving that show, but. Um, yeah, because you're cowboying up a little bit more now. <laughs> well, no, I'm 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 dressing that way again because you know more and more because I'm I I used to dress that way a lot. Yeah, Maria told me about that. You know, and so, hey, I I still can't. I, I I lived the cowboy life way too much when I was younger. Yeah, and I just can't stand it anymore. I mean, I I. I Every once in a while, you'll see me in some cowboy boots, and while I, I love, I still like Wranglers. Wranglers are comfortable for me. But yeah. I just, but I like five eleven, not because you know military aspect, but they're comfortable. It, they're comfortable, right. and and you have enough pockets to well, put all the stuff that you right. want. For for from a from a tactical standpoint, I mean, from the from from the they're just good from the professions that you and I used to have when we were in the military. It, it provides us freedom of movement, provides us with storage capacity and, 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 and just the overall comfort and durability of the, of, of those. Cause like I'm wearing a pair of five eleven pants right now. So it's, you know, I mean, they're one of my favorite pairs of pants. I mean, they really are. I mean, yeah. they better be for $75 a pair, but, um, unless you get them on sale, like some people do. <laughs> yeah. Then you're only paying $65 a pair, but anyways, I got mine for 45. Well, are you getting? Do you get the ones with the slant pockets on the back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate those. Why? Because, dude, I have the billfold, and I'm just—I have this innate fear that it, that oh. the, my wallet's going to fall. Well, out. you also—you also got to think it's very good for me because I carry on the time, and I don't have the the slanted pockets. I can put the well wallet with the pair that I've got. It's got the it's got the the expandable waistband. 
Yeah, mine does. So too. I can carry anyway. Yeah, mine does too. So regardless as to what uh, what style pant that you like, I mean they they offer that that. Yeah, they that have option, they have but, offered different um, styles. You, you know what I hate is the fact that like um, my uh, fiance she bought me a uh, a cinch vest, right? You know mm-hmm. with the the insulated vest. Yeah. She she brought up a couple other options for me to kind of look at and try on, and they had ones that had concealed carry pockets in them. Mm-hmm. They were only on the left side for right-handed carriers, and I'm like, that is so fucking offensive and discriminatory. <laughs> well, you got to think most of the people are right-handed. Yeah, I, I know, mean, yeah, but, you know, I, I totally get it. Everybody's born right-handed, but the truly exceptional ones overcome that problem. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying yeah. Southpaw's yeah. rule. Yeah. Um, okay, whatever. I mean, you, you don't see, you don't hear anybody talking about, well, if you're right-handed and can throw 90 miles an hour, you can find a job anywhere in baseball. No, they say that about Southpaws. I mean, if yeah. you can throw 90-plus and you're left-handed, oh, yeah, you can find a job on a pitching staff somewhere in the major leagues. But uh, anyways, what they were talking about, and and this is just documentation, it takes like 10,000 hours just to become a professional or something. Yeah. And uh, what if you had like 10,000 years of professional of something? I mean, you'd be pretty damn good at it. Yeah. I mean, scary, but yeah. Because in the movie, he was a uh, a Japanese uh, katana bladesmith. Back, uh, that was one of his uh, past lives, and yeah. he always. I mean, you talking about um, uh, Infinite? Oh, Infinite. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought you were talking about Altered Carbon, but I was like, no, no. He was a, he was basically a space ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not talking about Buzz Lightyear. Which funny, the Lightyear cart or movie that's coming out. Chris Evans is doing the voice of Buzz Lightyear, mm-hmm. and they're saying that it takes place in the same cinematic universe as the Star Wars stuff. Hmm. Well, except it's in this, it's in our galaxy, but it takes place, I I don't know, because like there's references to, there's supposed to be references, which makes sense because I mean, Pixar, Disney, Star Wars, it's all the same company now. But I'm like, God, that is such a stretch. Please tell me Kathleen Kennedy had nothing to do with that decision. No, uh, they have a, a deal with all their movies that they have to reference, uh, one of their other movies in the movie. If, if you look at it, they have, some way there's some kind of reference in some uh, of the movies. And it's in the it's in the contracts and everything of when the picture is being made. So people go back and go, oh, I remember that movie. I'll go back and watch it. Or yeah. I'll go back and buy it. Or yeah. I'll get the merchandise from that. So but yeah, that's I'd... the reason if you look at, well, now, uh, like... Uh, was it Infinity Wars? Peter Parker referenced aliens because they own Fox at that moment. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. He's like, don't don't make any more pop culture references. <laughs> you know? But they didn't say. Is 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 uh? Well, who was it? Um, shit, who was it? Uh, Peter Quill was asking. Um, Footloose. Oh, is Kevin Bacon the greatest? Is still the greatest actor. He never was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, but okay, so to the Kevin Kevin Bacon reference, Kevin Bacon is supposed to have a cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. I'm like, okay, cool, that's that's awesome. But um, I don't know if I necessarily buy into the reincarnation. I, I don't. Theory. I, I Okay, I don't buy into the reincarnation. I buy into the genetic memory. 
Yeah, genetic memory that that is a real thing, and that, that, that that's, that's that. where people got probably where they got reincarnation. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, we've had a lot of historical figures throughout the course of human history talk about how they believe that they lived a past life. To include one of the more notable people was General Patton during World War II, and I had told you briefly, uh, he in, in an interview he believed that in a past life he was a Roman centurion. Mm. So he was born. He was he was naturally inclined to be a leader of men, yeah. massive armies, or just go to war. Yeah, or just be a war fighter. So it's like, huh, you know, and and you know, and, and every once in a while, like I've even experienced it where, like, I'll have just some kind of like crazy, just random ass, either a daydream or just a full on dream, where. Like, you imagine, like, you're at a place. And it's like, you remember, like, little, little details about a place that really those only kind of, unless you're reading something that's very documented or something, or, or you've been there, you shouldn't know those details, right? Yeah. And and it's like, uh, and I, you know, and again, you know, I remember that, and I'm like, why, why did I, how did I know that? Because I don't remember reading about it you know or i don't remember seeing it on like a history channel special or anything like that well if you look at it this way and this is another scientific uh thought on it uh all dna is just basically memory from uh, if you look at it as a, a computer software stuff yeah uh dna or cellular structure of how a body's supposed to be is in the dna the dna has a lot of uh memory and that memory can be uh like how your muscles are going to be built because you're built for this type of job in life and that and, and that you can go like on and on and on with that kind of stuff yeah i mean because they start talking about <clears throat> old souls you know i mean i have heard that so many times you know i mean like especially whenever you run into somebody who's just more mature than their age should allow you know or or you know you have somebody that they behave a certain way that just really nobody behaves that way anymore. Like even more nowadays, like if a man is chivalrous, yeah, you know, everybody's like, Oh, you've got such an old soul. Oh, they did finally fi uh, finish it up. What's that? Uh, DNA da uh, data hard drive. Oh, okay. Well, see, so it's like Satchel Page. He used to pitch in the Negro leagues and, and ultimately made his way into the major leagues. Very prolific pitcher. I mean, he was he's he's lauded as one of the greatest pitchers to ever play the game. Um, he had a quote of saying, "How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are?" I mean, you just think like that's some quirky ass like knowledge. But dude, if you try to break that down a little bit, it's kind of profound, right? Um, you know, so I mean, it's it's. I mean, we're talking about like your old heart or your old mind or your old soul. If if a person who is an old soul finds his or her outlook on life vastly different from a more uh, and more matured than those around them, as a result, the old souls in that particular person's life internally, you know, they'll be walking down their own solitary path, or they'll they'll rest around a, a flock of you know they'll rest around. You know, people will find themselves like flocking around this person just to kind of like figures you know like oh you know you know like they say birds of a feather flock together mm -hmm. you know you kind of see people with the same mindsets or the same mentalities or the same uh, tendencies they tend to like group together because it's that commonality kind of attracts 
Yeah. You know, so. Well, it's it's like me and you. I mean, we never really met, but we clicked. Yeah. And it, it wasn't because uh, military background. That was just what got us, like, same mindset. It was like, okay, I'll talk to you a little bit. But it was more or less of our geekdom and nerdom. Yeah. So, I mean, we had those commonalities. But once once we stepped through those doors and started exploring those different commonalities, I mean, we they started branching off. It was like variants, you know, kind yeah. of branching off that main mother timeline, and and instead of trying to eliminate them, it's like we just kind of ran with it and embraced it, and it it's worked. It's been this like really kind of weird organic fluidity or fluidity, and and I'm like, man, you know. Like, there's days where I'm just like, man, I, you know, like, I enjoy coming to the studio, but then there's other days I'm like, dude, I just want to find a place to hide the fucking body, yeah. you know? And and I know that you're the same way, but we don't let that kind of, like, be the definitive thing that defines what our, what our, what our friendship is, and it's, I don't know, it's... It's hard to quantify in words. Well, I actually, actually, I did figure it out uh, uh, yesterday mm-hmm. uh, when we were hanging out with Maria... Oh, well, I was hanging out with Maria, and uh, I didn't. I didn't say anything about her, but I was just thinking on the subject of like soulmates. How a lot of people they just like, oh, I need to find my soulmate to to marry them and everything like that, where we can be compatible and whatnot. And I was like, if you think about it, no, 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 no. Hear me, hear <laughs> me. Let me it. fucking okay, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. The 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 soulmate is more or less the person that picks up the pieces when you're broken. And it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, you know, a uh, lover type deal or anything like that. Okay. It's you both know that it's like me and you. If if you have a shit storm day, you know you can call me and I go, okay, well this piece fits over here. Uh, did you did you lose lose this little piece right over here? Yeah. I mean, it's just that that common bond where you can actually have that feel to where no matter what, you know that person's going to be there for you. Yeah. And that, in my opinion, is uh, a better definition of a soulmate. Nothing like that whole romantic bullshit and everything. It's just that you get it. You get that other person. Yeah. No, I see where you're going with that. So, yeah. Um, Let me see here. There have been a lot of people. Okay, so I, I... started i I'm, I'm over here looking at the old soul articles and stuff like that yeah i mean they're talking people like robert frost jim carrey oprah from winfrey even nick jonas have been called old souls um and it says you tend to be a lone wolf uh you're disinterested in the pursuits and interests of the people in their age groups and they you, you find it dissatisfying to make friends with people and you know they're 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 hard to relate to um sense of alienation is one of the major problems old souls experience the result is that old souls tend to find themselves alone a lot of the time they struggle to connect deeply with others because most other people don't have the same interests or values of them and so that right there number one tells me hey i don't have an old soul but and again this isn't science this is metaphysical stuff yeah so it's 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 fringe right um you love knowledge, wisdom, and truth. But that's most people. That's most people. Unless like, they're like uh, criminals. Well, or not, they have not like social, uh, so, uh, social. Not even that. I mean, everybody just, we have this like innate, ingrained desire to learn. And 
whether they're Florida guys, Alabama Rednecks, Tennessee Hilljacks, whatever they might be, uh, California Hippies or, you know, what have you. Yeah. Um, people want to learn about just things in general. I mean, they desire, we, we, as, as a race desire knowledge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it can be classified as wisdom. It can be classified as truth. But when we start venturing into that, that area of what's known as truth, quote unquote, that's where, that's where the desire to learn and desire to, to gain that knowledge really, you know, really shines through because as we've learned over the past eight, well, 12, 15 years, the term truth is pretty, pretty subjective. Yeah, it's more or less the Star Wars thing. You know, and it's like, you know, Vic, you know, history is written by the victors. Yeah. You know, and it's just so whoever's in the White House at the time, they're the ones dictating what goes into the history. Or if you would just want to go with Obi-Wan Kenobi is like from a for, uh, certain point of view. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, um, you're spiritually inclined. So old souls tend to have sensitive or spiritual natures experiencing a spiritual awakening, overcoming the confines of the ego, seeking enlightenment and self-realization. Fostering love and peace are often at the core of an old soul's ultimate quest in life. Um, you understand the transience of life. Um, they're frequently plagued with reminders of their own mortality and that everything and everyone around them. In fact, it's not uncommon for the old soul to have multiple existential crises throughout their lives, especially during difficult situations that highlight the impertinence or the impermanence of existence. Um, you know, it's kind of one of these, oh, life is fleeting kind of people. You know, it's like every decision that you make in life has like a butterfly effect on everything else, you know. Um, you're thoughtful or introspective. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're an old soul. That just means that you have a degree of depth about your character. Yeah. Because, I mean, you get a lot of people that, that, you know, they're saying, okay, well, you're shallow. And it's not necessarily that they're looking at skin, you know, at, at the surface or judging a book by their cover. It just means that you don't take the time to think about things well, it, other than the immediate. Okay. Uh, Ted Laszlo. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, God, what was it? Hold on. Yeah, uh, while you're looking that up here. Um, you see the bigger picture. Um, old souls dislike getting lost in superficial details of gaining useless degrees. Okay. Uh, uh, the difference between a person that's judgmental and curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had this one scene where he was playing darts and everything like that. And the guy was like, Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get the, uh, uh, soccer team back from my ex-wife. And he's like, well, okay, we'll play darts. He threw the darts. He was like, he got every hit. I was like, uh, the, he got bullied when he was, uh, those people were just judgmental mm -hmm. and they weren't curious because if they were curious, it, they would ask, Hey, have you ever played darts, Ted? And I would tell them, yes, I have, ever since I was seven years old up until my dad died when, he, when I was 16. And boom, bullseye. I mean, it's better to be curious on people to get to know them and everything. I mean, even Abraham Lincoln had a, a quote to where he said uh, he was at one of the senators' uh, a funeral. And he's like, I really didn't like the guy. I guess I didn't know him mm -hmm. type of deal. Yeah. Um you aren't materialistic. Wealth, status, fame, and the latest tech gadget 
God, that is such a problem in this century. Um, old souls take to, tend to take little interest in these things. After all, what's the point of seeking those socially paraded goals if they can be easily taken away? This is the whole life is fleeting thing, right? Oh, I don't, I don't value money at that, that point, but it's well, it's to the point though of yeah. I mean, while money's nice to have, yeah, you know, I would still you can like always make stuff. more. Yeah, you know, um, do I do I value? I mean, like I have a twelve pro, right? Or 12 Pro Max, right? Yeah. Do I want an iPhone 13 Pro Max? Yeah, sure. But I know that I can't afford that right now. Well, my my deal is like I got the 12 Pro Max. I could have waited until the 13 uh, mm -hmm. Pro Max. But the thing was is I needed something better. I, it's it's more business-oriented. Yeah. I mean, it me, it was – I mean, my decision to go with – yeah, I can still hear myself. Okay. So my decision to get this phone – one, better camera. I can take better pictures. And I was thinking more of, hey, this is for me to take pictures of my boys, take pictures of yeah. you know, myself with the boys. But it was, the, it was the, 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 bigger, the bigger hard drive in the phone, you know, the bigger memory space in the phone, you know, where when I had the, the 10R, you know, I had like the, uh, the, 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 the mid-range back then. Mm. It was, uh, what was it? It was like... Uh, 56 gig or something like that. I can't remember. Um, and then I, I I got into the the 128. I was like, oh, well, you know, you know, I've, st I've still got plenty of room in this phone. But um, they talk about the ex existential crises again. Uh, you see life through a poetic or contemplative lens. I don't really see life as being poetic. You know, and, and a lot of it is, yeah, I'm, I'm cynical about things, but that's just because of, our, you know, my life experiences. But my my view on life has evolved. It hadn't necessarily changed. It's evolved over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, from understanding that people are going to let you down. I mean, that's just a realization of being it, But realistic. it's more or less how... how bad they let you down well but, yeah i mean and people are always going to let you down in one way shape form or fashion or the other but whereas i you know mindy has come into my life and i have really kind of i've expanded upon my spirituality and i'm talking about from you know from a god standpoint from a biblical standpoint you know we do our devotionals every night we, we pray every night yeah um we really try to make God the center of our relationship, and we we made that a point to do that first, you know, before anything, you know, before any kind of like physical intimacies, you know, yeah. um, you know, holding hands, you know, hugging, kissing, things of that nature. But it's you know, we we wanted to make sure that our relationship was more Not substantive as opposed to physical. Yeah. So that way we had a we had a stronger foundation and that that foundation was centered on God. So I mean we make him the priority in our relationship and it focuses and it forces us into a position where we have to communicate. Yeah. And you know, and instead of just like letting our egos get in the way or of our past experiences get in the way, yes, while we draw from our past experiences, we look at that as saying, Okay, this is the prism that I'm looking through when I see this particular instance come up, you know, or this particular circumstance come up, understanding that you are not this person or you're not that person, we need to talk about 
A, B, and C, and we and we communicate our way through the different obstacles that we encounter. Um, and there's a lot of people that actually started doing that. Yeah, and have more healthier relationships with. Yeah, them. and and I think a lot of it is, and I hate saying. I hate giving the flatten the curve and the quarantine and, you know, the, the staying, everybody's shutting down. I hate to give that any kind of props. I mean, one, yes, it focused us, it forced us to focus more on family and family activities as a unit as opposed to everybody kind of going off and doing their separate things out in, out in the world. Well, it's, but, it, it was it was like what, what I did with Maria uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was asking, it's like, she was like, Hey, I want, I want to do more family stuff with yeah. me, my husband and, uh, a son. I was like, you know, oh, like, do you do board games? It's like just me and my son would just do clue. I was like, there are a plethora of other board games that you can try. She hates clue though. Oh yeah, she really hates Clue. <laughs> she told me that. She verifies she hates Clue. Oh, fun fact. Okay. So whenever uh, Mindy and I went to boston mm-hmm. the house where the uh murder took place there there was a murder at a house up in boston mm-hmm. um where the clue board game was actually based off of that murder oh so we walked past that house so oh, she cool. pointed it out yeah it was on um it was out by the bay i forget what part of town that's in. Anyway, so she showed me that house, and I was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool, you know, so. Okay. Well, I, I I told her, I was like, well, what is, what interests is your husband? She was like sports and everything like that in his car. So I was like, well, there's a card. Uh, it's called Formula D. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's basically a, uh, a dice-rolling card game. And I mm-hmm. sent her that, and she's like, oh, I'll, I'll give that a try. But uh, stuff like that, it's just – you find something that's common for each one of those persons and you just bring it together. Right. And sometimes uh, a lot of uh, the weird nerdy stuff that we do, I mean, look at a lot of nerds that put everything on their kids and everything and the fam- family have like a family night and they're doing games or D&D or stuff like that. Those those families work. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, they're, and, they're, and they, t- they go into... Like these, you enjoy the company of those much older than you because their energy matches your energy, and all like, pfft. yeah, um, I never got you. That. you um, although you although... fall, you fall easily into the role of an advisor or a counselor, and I don't necessarily think that that's an exclusive thing to this old soul theory. I think that if you know you carry yourself a certain way, yeah, you know it's it's like that adage, you know from the military it's like when shit hits the fan you look for the guy that's calm cool and collected follow him because you know he's about to cut wire and start sorting dudes out right yeah and that's because you want to find that person that that has a knowledge or at least gives the appearance of having a knowledge on how to negotiate an obstacle at that time and yeah marcus fletcher had that one time yeah he, he was they were in a firefight and they just followed marcus through the whole thing and and they came back. It's like, man, we just followed you. We couldn't hear what you were saying or anything, but we just did everything. It's like, dude, I was freaking out too. We, yeah, I, I, I was like, and and I, I do that too. Yeah. sometimes it's just, it's just the basic fact. And it's funny because that came up in. Let me look here. It was, um, the the Bible devotion that I think it was last night. Um, let me look at something. Fear, faithful and not fearful, right? So it's talking about being brave. Um. Uh, the word brave is a powerful 
powerful word to rally around the idea of being unafraid and conquering all the scary things in life. But being brave puts the responsibility on us, leaving it up to us to master or muster up the courage from some deep reserve. It sounds romantic, but it's not always possible. Sometimes we just don't have the bravery we need for certain situations and our fears end up crippling us. Rather than trying to live unafraid, what we really need to do is live fearlessly. Being fearless does not mean living without the absence of fear or, or with the absence of fear. It means moving forward in spite of our fear. And it means walking in obedience to God even when we're terrified of what it could cost us. Right? So I was yeah. like, to, last night, last night's devotion really kind of just like, like that hit, like that resonated with me, you know, mm-hmm. because I had had these conversations with Mindy before, you know, where, you know, moving down to, to the Houston area um, this, this coming summer, you know, when, when her and I get married, it's, it's scary. It's not scary as in like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. What am I doing? You know, it's scary because it's new. You know, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what the road, you know, what the road's going to look like. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about physical asphalt road. Uh, I'm talking about the path. You know, I mean, what's this What's this journey going to look like, you know? And it's really easy for us to kind of just sit back and, and fall into that complacency of, this, of the familiar. Like, yeah, okay, I can stay here and just continue to work the job that I've got now, you know, or find something else while staying here because it's comfortable. It's what I know, you know, I mean, I've been here, I've been back in town since 2002. Yeah. So it's like, you know, full on 22 years next year, you know, or 20 years. Well, was it 20 years? Yeah. 20 years. And it, it'll be the longest that I've stayed in any one place at any given moment during the course of my life. You know, growing up as a Navy brat, you know, we moved every three, 40 years, you know, and, and it just, it was a, that constant flux of, of, of change, right? So, I mean, there's one thing that's always stays the same is that things will always change. That's the one constant in life. It's kind of funny, but, um, but a lot of people fear that change when they, they do. And, 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 you know, I, I tried to explain blame it to her. And I, and I think I, I, I did a pretty good job of it. It's like, you know, I'm not saying I want out. That's not it at all. And I'm not saying this is something that I don't want to do or it's something that I'm being forced into. I mean, I'm making this oh, choice. Uh, by the way, who's the team that's going on the uh, Armed Forces Bowl? Uh, Army versus Missouri. Um, so when, you know, when I'm talking about, you know, it, it's scary. It's it's like, okay, and it's just because of the unknown. Like, yeah, I mean, we can plan the best that we can for certain contingencies in life. How do you feel, uh, spill Missouri? M-I-S-S-O-U-R-I? God damn <laughs> But, um. There we go. Did I have it right? No, I had it terribly wrong. No, did I spell it right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay, spelled all right. It right. No, I, I just my dyslexia kicked in and just started not doing. But I mean, it's it's. Uh, what is it? General Patton said that. Um, what was it? I'm trying to. It's paraphrase Wednesday, here. right? Yeah, today is. No, today's Sunday. Oh no, yeah, it's two Wednesday the twenty second at uh, seven seven o'clock. It's a seven o'clock kickoff. At Amon G. Carter Stadium in, in Fort Worth, the TCU campus. Um, but um, 
so, you know, General Patton, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing here because I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like, um, you know what? I don't want to screw this up here. Hold on. Let me look here. Um, Uh, he would say things like, courage is fear holding on a minute longer. Um, if, we, if, we general, if we take the generally accepted definition of bravery as a quality which knows no fear, I have never seen a brave man. All men are frightened. The more intelligent they are, the more frightened they are. Um, uh, Wednesday at what time? 7 o'clock. P.M.? Yes. It's 1900 to those military people. Um, let me see here. Like, battle is the most magnificent competition in which a human being can indulge. It brings out all of his, uh, all that is best. It removes all that is base. All men are afraid in battle. The coward is the one who lets fear overcome his sense of duty. Duty is a sense of manhood. Um, you know, so it's, it's bravery is, is the actions taken in the presence of fear. Yeah. You know, so... It, when we get that kind of thing, we get that word bravery twisted up, you know, I mean, we, we almost, I mean, bravery is kind of like almost exclusive to combat anymore nowadays, you know, and when we get these people from like the LBGTQ, you know, like, oh, they're being so brave. And then you get those ones that are part of that community. They're like, I'm braver than any person who's ever been shot at. It's like, um, no, you're not. Um, you know, not not to discount what they're doing as being brave. I mean, because when you look at it from their point of view, yeah, yeah there's some bravery. There's some bravery in it, but it's because like let's let's not let's you know let's not get it so twisted out of context that you're you're trying to redefine what the word bravery means. Yeah, because bra bravery really is is uh, uh, doing something even though you have fear. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know like. On 9-11, with the, the first responders going into those towers, knowing that those towers were going to come down at any moment. You know, they ran into that into those towers knowing full well the dangers of their chosen profession, knowing that they might not make it out of it. And even though when they started to realize on the individual level, each and every one of those firefighters and, and police officers and, and, and Port Authority uh, officials and running back into those burning buildings, trying to save as many people as they possibly could, or at the very least understanding, okay, now we're blocked. We have no, no point of egress. We need to get as many people together to try to make this transition into, in, into death yeah. as, as seamless as possible. And, you know, and, and that's when I think about bravery, bravery, that's what I think, you know, I think, Bravery is running into a dangerous situation, knowing that it could cost you everything to include your life. Yeah. But you do it anyway because, you know, when then we go back to the, you know, Patton quote where he's like, duty is a sense of manhood, you know, or I mean, and, and, and even more nowadays with women being, uh, you know, filling those roles that are traditionally men you know, male roles, you know, like the police officers, the first responders, or even firefighters at this point, um, and to a degree, some combat arms, MOSs in the military. Um, 
you know, they, they, they step into that and, and duty is a sense of, of at this point now being a human being. Yeah. And Cause you even have to fight off uh, the people that you, you go against. Like now it's uh, politically brave. It's uh, I'm, I'm willing, like people calling, uh, I'm not saying that he's not, you know, uh, a brave person or anything, but, People saying Chris Pratt's so brave because he's he's saying what stuff that he believes in and not st- I was like and, you know and the only <clears> reason <throat> why they say that is because they normalize atheism they normalize the the the, the left's viewpoint they're trying to freaking normalize pedophilia yeah no and, and, and there are some things no I mean there are there are some things in this world that need to stay classified as being just actually you know what they are it's evil yeah. Like pedophilia, you know, there's nothing brave about coming out as being a pedophile. Like, are you serious? Come on now. I mean, yeah, it could very well cost you your life. But at that point, if you're getting your rocks off on kids, there's something seriously wrong with you. There is nothing yeah. normal about that behavior. And what's, and what's really sad is uh, they're considering if you're going, if you're saying stuff against uh, pedophilia that you're bullying. A lot of people are getting, like, uh, shot off on uh, certain search, uh, social media platforms because Well, of that. you know, I mean, if it costs us our platform on things like YouTube, or if it ultimately costs us this show... Yeah. You know, hey, you know what? Fine, because I'll, I'll, I'll adopt your mentality and say, I'm being brave for standing up for my beliefs. I'm being brave... We are being brave for standing up for what we believe to be right. Yeah. And, you know, you and I have that mentality that... Doing the right thing may be, may may cost us. Yeah, and if it costs us, then you know you know to me, it's worth the price of admission. Because play the world's biggest game of fuck around and find out. You approach my kids or the kids of my loved ones with the intent of stealing their innocence because you have an you know you have a, a affliction. And now I want to stay away from the word affliction because I, I don't want to look at that as being a disability. Okay. I, I want to look at you because you have an affinity for looking at little boys and girls as opposed to people your own age. Yeah, at that point in time, you won't be – well, one, you'd be calling me, and then two, you'd be calling 811. You know, yeah, right? You know, and then we'll be like – we'll call the police and be like, hey, there's there's some – you know, we'll go out we'll we'll dig something. You know, or we'll be like, hey, look, um, there was some unsettled dirt, and it didn't look right, and it's out here by this little area. And 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 then once they, that whole thing dies out, they, they don't refill the holes. Yeah. You know. You call in an anonymous tip. And, yeah, you call and in then, an anonymous and then, tip and be like, hey, um, there was this thing, you know. But it... And, and you know, but then 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 this person will not be a problem anymore for anybody else for the rest of forever. Oh, yeah. But and no, we're not advocating physical violence upon pedophilia or pedophiles. But to legally, be, legally, con, we're not. to be completely and perfectly transparent, chomos have no place in this world. Um, yeah, you know, kind of like people who believe that pineapple don't have a place on pizza. I mean, you have your opinion. Unfortunately, it's wrong. But I digress. Um, no, 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 no. Show me on that bad touch, you know, bad, bad, bad touch Bob doll where pineapple touched you. 
All right. Where, where did the pineapple touch you? Uh, okay. Uh, we're, the, we're on, the, we're on Bad Touch Bob. Do? We're calling him Bad, bad Touch, touch Bob. Bob. Okay. And, he, and, and credit he, credit to my fiance Mindy, because she, yeah. she, she she gave us that name. It was it was right around there. Uh huh. And then it started going down to the uh, uh, groin area, and uh, it, it it was it was awkward at that moment and everything like that. And uh, so, I so, ran. so you're admitting that that you are now a fruitophile. There's no good answer for that one. No, there is not. <laughs> no, there's not. God, that was that was that was that was good play, sir, sir. That was good play. But you know, um, I mean, we could go on for hours about this, you know, and and because we still have one little thing that we have to uh, address of what happened this weekend. Uh, Maria, our super fan, uh, the one that listens us constantly, which we, uh, I'll, I'll officially say it like this: me and Dave, it was it was an interesting and fun pinking the brain moment. We almost conquered the world. That's what happened. We, 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 it, it wasn't one of those things of, uh, we got so sloshed or anything like that. We just had like a couple of beers. We in, had some really good food and everything. Uh, I made sure we go to the spots that had like really, really good food. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, it was a fun, fun time. And we will not say a lot of the place. We went to a comic book store. And, uh, it was that whole thing about trying to get her. Uh, you introduced her to Larry over Collector's Den, didn't you? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Not collectors then. Is it? No. Galaxy books and comics. Was it? Was it Galaxy? Yeah. Larry's up at Galaxy. That's right. I'm trying to remember the name of the guy over at Collectors Den. I don't. I don't know the guy at Collectors Den. I know. Uh, fuck. Uh, Pegasus Loft. But that that guy, I still don't like him all too much. Even when I was a kid. Right. But no, I. Uh, we we had some interesting mishaps happening. Uh so Okay. Where she accidentally uh chest bumped a uh uh coat rack. Or not coat rack, uh no, it was a it was a clothing rack. And she uh yeah. I was laughing so hard when she did it. It was so funny because she just full on like chest bumped it. On accident, I was like, "Man, I didn't say anything. I just in my head, I was like, oh my god, this is just gonna be the awkward moment when it was just it was just so funny, but we 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 ended up having uh a lot of good laughs and everything, and uh we we enjoyed each other's company to the point where you know we had it was just it was just oh man, I think." So I lost. It, it was good for you to finally connect. Yes. To put it to put a face with a name. So yeah, I mean, and it, we just oh man, it was just. I've known Maria for. I think the only time that we about did it. And, and, and you know and it dawned on me, it's been twenty six years since I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've known Maria probably. See, I met her. In the fall of my sophomore year, so it was. I've known her for, oh, wow, I've known her for just about like twenty eight, twenty nine years. I've, we've known each other for almost thirty years. Oh wow! Yeah, 
And well, she's going to listen to this and she's going to be like, holy crap. It's at that moment she's going to be driving down the road and she's going to experience a random pain like in every one of her joints. And she's going to be like, fuck, I'm fucking old. Yeah. Well, no, uh, the only time frame that we didn't we didn't laugh was when we were at the range because, uh, I mean, she she's good at pistols. She had uh, her stance and everything like that, but she was using my pistols, so she was getting kind of like, uh, she wasn't getting pissed off. She was trying to figure out how to get the uh, uh, aiming on that. Uh, right, because it was the P320. Right, and it tracks low, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, trying to explain somebody to adjust their point of aim. Yeah. Without having gone through, like, a BRM yeah. class. Yeah. It's so hard because you're just like, ah, don't, don't adjust the sights to the strike of the round. You have to adjust the strike of the round too. Yeah, but you know. we, uh, but, we but with pistols you have to do that. But with like rifles, whenever you're zeroing a rifle in, yeah, you adjust your sights to the strike of the round, and then you then you move back to your original point of aim. But yeah, well, when we got to the rifle, not point of aim, adjusting your sight picture. That's what I was yeah. thinking about. Yeah, uh, but well, unless you're using a scope. Scope's totally different, though. Even then. Really? Your sight picture? Yeah. Because depending on where your eye relief is, it's going to change your sight picture. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, it's like if you've got a front sight post on your rifle and you're using a scope or you're using a red dot, your 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 sight picture, where your eye relief is, mm-hmm. and where you position yourself on that, on, that, on that cheek well, it's, I mean, it could throw everything off. Yeah. But, but once we got to the rifle and everything, uh... Because she said she learned, uh, she's been, sh- uh, she was shooting more uh, AKs, mm-hmm. and they, uh, her and her husband started getting into uh, AR styles. Because uh, I think he has a, like a three hundred blackout one, mm-hmm. and well, she showed me pictures of uh, uh, the range, and it was like uh, shooting in a barrel. I was like, uh, whatever you do, do not get a muzzle, uh, a muzzle break, a muzzle break. She's like, really? I was like. Oh my god, that's so scary! Because I saw, I was like, I, I didn't, I, I forgot to send her the video of the guy like passing out because of the muzzle break. Mm-hmm. Just cause, from the sheer concussion. Yeah, because it all goes out, and when you have something like that, and you're in a tunnel, uh, and it's a tunnel, because they shoot in like it, it literally is like. Yeah, it's like it's a concrete tube. Yeah. That goes all the way down. Yeah, um, I saw that same video. Um, they were they were shooting a uh, a short barreled Barrett. Yeah. And it was like an 18-inch Barrett. Dude, he had, like, blood coming out of his nose, he did. ears. He did. And he was, he and that, was it, out cold for, like... Yeah, I saw that video, and I'm like, oh, no. You know, I mean, that's that's one of those situations where it's like, take the damn muzzle brake off and put on a flash suppressor or just shoot straight from the end of, a, of, of, a, of the barrel. Yeah. But, like... Just don't, don't, yeah. don't. And I mean, they were in an enclosed thing, and then I was. She was showing me pictures of that range. I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, life hack: don't shoot a Barrett with a muzzle brake indoors. Period. No, don't shoot anything with a muzzle brake. I mean, look at the three hundred blackout we were shooting with the Kenny. Yeah, I mean, I felt that across the whole freaking uh, range. Well, yeah, but we were still under cover. Yeah, you know. And well, think about it this way: I could still feel the uh, the pressure coming off of it. Now, if we were a little bit enclosed and we were a little bit closer to each other, and it would, like uh, the pistol range, mm-hmm. you know how the pistol range? Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because it's an it. echo chamber. If, if the yeah. sound waves don't have anywhere to go, the concussion 
or the, the concussive forces from the the gas uh, gas release isn't going to have any place to go either. Yeah. So if you're going to shoot a muzzle brake, do it out like outside, outside. Yeah. You know, like on a long distance range. You know. But she was uh, I I know I know from what she was told me she did ROTC, so she's used to rifles and everything. But she said she was reorienting herself to dirty secret. The ROTC program at Ryder when we were going through it, mm-hmm. and they might still do it, pellet rifles. Kenny was using 22s at Hershey. Yeah. Um, when did Kenny gra- graduate? He graduated like uh, 2000? No, yeah. no, 99. Okay. Her and I graduated in 95. So there was no live ammunition being used in the range at that time. They may have gone and brought in 22s because even like with the competition um, uh, marksmanship teams, they were they all used pellet guns. Well, no. But, uh... I mean, any- granted, a 22 <clears throat> will give you the same jerk, you know, jump, you know same recoil as, a, as, a, as an air gun, but still... But she said she hadn't uh, up until like recently with her and her husband uh, twelve years and not shooting. So and I was giving her a little tips with the AR because she kept on uh, when she was uh, getting it back to uh, going to fire. She mm-hmm. would take her hand and put it on fire and go up. I was like, uh, "Use your thumb." Yeah, <laughs> I kept on trying to get her to use her thumb. She was like, "Well, I, I already have." I was like, "I'm, I'm just." Letting you know prior beforehand. I'm, yeah, well, like and then me, cause, cause, yeah, because like me, I'm left-handed, right? I'm a le- I'm a left-handed shooter, so I mean, I use my index finger. I use my I use my bang switch. You know, my my bang hook. I don't know why hook. you don't get it. I don't know why you. You know, and I was around. and I was just about to bring that up. I, I was thinking about doing an ambidextrous switch on it, but I'm like, eh, I don't. Man. Those th- they have like really cool switches, and it would really work. But if you uh, you just have to get reused to it. Yeah, I mean. As opposed to going like this, but you also you know, have better. I can go like that. But think about it this way: uh, you got better motion with your thumb than you do with your finger. That's true. I just because you can you can put it on fire and then you can flip it back with your thumb and put yeah. it on safe. That's the reason why if you, uh, I, I think I see you do it a couple of times. It's, it, it, and I showed her this little trick I, uh, I learned from a friend of mine. Is you, uh, you put it on fire, but when you're doing it safety, you just bring your whole hand and you just put it up like that. It's one full fluid motion. One you're not even going near the trigger. Well, like on like on a 308, you know, or a uh, like a Remington 700. Mm-hmm. You know, you get behind it and you got that bolt action, and they have always got that that safety that sits right up underneath the. Yeah, you it, know that to me that's just I mean, and regardless is you know I mean because your hand is it's not a pistol grip like the AR or an AK platform. I mean it's 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 that rifle stock. So I mean you you can just move that thumb up and operate the safety that way, but. Yeah, and that's that. That's more or less the ambidextrous. Uh, yeah, I mean that's anyways. that's that's the true definition of ambidextrous, but except for the bolt. Yeah, well, the bolt. I mean, and to me, even as a left-handed shooter, I am so used to being able to go like this. Yeah, you know, because you don't. I mean, it's still either way. But you have a little bit more uh, uh, faster rate of fire only because of that. Yeah, well, because cause because I'm left-handed, and my hand's already down here. Yeah, you know, so 
I just I couldn't I, I just can't like you you get a lot like when I was I was a 50 cal gunner so you know and anytime like you're on a belt fed weapon unless you specifically request it they're all left hand feet they all come in because every all the belts are fed from the left side yeah okay and you know whether it's the 50 the 240 um the the 249 or whatever the the new variant that the marine corps is trying to trying to field now but you know the, even the mark 19 mark 19 is a left-hand fed yeah you know now if you look at the bolt on an m2 50 cal i mean you there is the option on the on the top of the bolt carrier where you can switch that over to have it fed from the right side. But the only time you're going to see that is when you're operating a dual system. You know, like on the um, like on the anti-air, like the Stinger vehicles, you know, they operate the dual 50s, you know, one on each side. You know, this one will be left-hand, this one will be fed right-hand, and, you know, it's just, just pulling the ammo in that way. But to me, I mean, it, it's like, when I learned how to play golf, my dad was trying to teach me how to play golf. My dad's right-handed. I'm left-handed. I, I learned how to play golf playing right-handed. Now, that's probably a big reason why I have an, an incredibly atrocious slice. <laughs> I hit something off the tee. That ball travels about 150 to 200 yards, and then it just goes, just takes off to the right. I'm like, fuck, you know? So I'll have to sit there. And unless I, like, just – unless for whatever reason I, I – I hone my inner John Daly, and I get just like this masterful drive. I have to aim way left to play my slice, you know. So, I mean, at some point, would I like to pick up a set of left-handed clubs and teach myself how to play lefty? Yeah, I'd probably take care of my slice. Of course, the universe being what it is, I'll probably develop a really atrocious hook. And everything will go straight off to the left. And I'll be like, what the fuck is going on here? I can't win. I can't win. <laughs> like, you know, like, but, but golf, just like anything else, whether it's shooting, you know, whatever it is that you do, those, 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 those hobbies, those activities, they will throw out just enough of a nugget just to keep you interested, to keep you coming back. You know, it's like the last time that I played an actual round of golf, um, I was out there with, a uh, guy that uh, I'm friends with by the name of Chris. Um, and uh, we, we called him the dude. Um, my pitching wedge, and my dad was out there, right? So my pitching wedge had been not treating me nice at all that day. Like, I, I could get him, I try to line the shot up, and I'll either top the ball or I'll just pop it straight up. And it just it wasn't doing what I needed it to do. And I was so pissed. I think it was like the, the 14th hole. Mm-hmm. It was a par four, and I'm like, fuck, okay. So um, my drive didn't go very far, like, at all. I topped the crap out of it. This thing just worm burner, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, mm. So I tried to hit my approach shot. And uh, it, and again, was, I used a, uh, I used a nine iron for my approach, right? Because, it was a long par four, but still. I landed 50 yards short of the pin with my approach. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, I'm trying to get on the green here. And so I just yanked my pitching wedge out of the bag. And I'm like, I don't even go up to address the ball. I don't I don't steady my stance, nothing. I'm not, I just, at this point, I'm just going to hack at it. I do not care. My dad's on the backside of the green down into the, in the sand, bunker, or the sand trap on the backside because he's fixing to hit it out. 
And because, uh, I mean, he hit the green in two, but it rolled off the backside. He's just like grumbling. You know, you, you, you go out to a golf course to get close to God. And it's not that it's a spiritual experience. You just spend a lot of time cussing at God. Yeah. You know, and um, so, you know, my dad's on the backside. He's in the sand trap. Was that Kenny Jack where the priest was yeah, the golf? Yeah, he's, and, he's like, the ah, he, he like... He's, he's playing per- the best round of his life, and he gets struck by lightning because he he drops GD on the course. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> here comes Bill Murray. He's like, mm, he takes his clubs and he goes, <laughs> leaves the body out on the green. But because um, he was caddying for the for the priest, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, so the dude is standing over there by the golf cart, and I just I'm like, fuck this bullshit. Get out there, and I'm like, okay, and I, I just. I stand in front of the ball, you know, I'm like half ass in my address, you know, to the ball. And I just like that. And it just, for whatever reason, came off the club face. Really like weird. Right. Like, wait a minute. Is that what it's supposed to feel like? Right. Cause you remember like the old Pete or Tiger Wood PGA tour games, mm. like when you hit that good shot and then it goes letterbox and everything goes into slow motion. You hear that heartbeat. That shit happened. Oh really? Yeah. Like I'm sitting there going, and then, uh, like in my in my mind, my mind went letterbox. You know, like it went widescreen, and then everything slowed down. I heard this boom, 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 boom. I'm like, "Where's my controller so I can affect the spin of the ball?" Right? I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this shot. I'm 50 yards from the hole, and it it hits the fringe, pops up, lands on the green, catches the break, and just rolls. And I'm sitting there going. And we were both going, yeah. we were just kind of like running towards the green going, yeah, look at that. And the guys that are on the fairway next to us, they're like, look at that. You know, my dad's back there on the backside. He is oblivious to everything going on because he's still trying to figure out what his shot's going to be, right? All he knows is that he hears a bunch of fucking commotion on the, on the you know, over the top of the hill. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there watching it and we're just like, Oh, 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 and it's rolling towards the hole. I hold it from 50 yards out. I chipped in for birdie from 50 yards out. Oh, wow. Right? First and only birdie I've ever hit in my life, dude. My my pitching wedge, all I remember is that my pitching wedge went straight up in the air. I threw my club up in the air. And then I look over, and we're, I was just like, do you believe that? And he's like, your club. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, and, and, so my dad he he pitches out of the out of the out of the sand, out of the bunker and you know he he needs a pretty good layup shot too because i mean he got he got like three feet from the pin and he's like what the fuck is all that noise about i'm like i chipped it in from 50 yards you know and he's like what and i walk over and i pick the ball out of the hole and he's like Oh, what, whatever. Get, get off the fucking green. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm keeping this ball. It was, it was, it was, you know, back when Nike made really great golf equipment. So it was one of my Nike golf balls. And I'm like, I'm keeping this. And so I'm like, where's that Sharpie? And I like instantly wrote chip in 50 yards, you know? And I like, I somewhere, I don't think that ball survived my divorce, but you know, I'm like, after I like that ball, I, I never played with that ball again, like ever, like, you know, like, I, I used up all the good juju in that ball. And I'm just sitting there going, man, 
That's crazy. And like I'm sitting there, like even when I think back to it, like my brain doesn't register it in real time. Like legitimately that shot played out in slow motion. I'm sitting there going, see, it's the little shit like that that makes me want to keep playing this game, <laughs> even though it pisses me off, right? And, and, and to, you know, like that was the best shot that I had ever taken in my life. And, and as a matter of fact, um, the last time that I ever played golf was out at um, River Creek out by Burke. Mm-hmm. That's a nice course, by the way. I mean, hands down, one of the. I mean, it's the, you ever play the Shepherd Course? I I played Wind Creek, but I, I just I didn't like it. Uh-huh. And of course, the day that we went out there to go play it, it was overcast, it was windy, and they had just aerated the entire course. Oh. So we had all those dirt plugs everywhere, and it just dude, it was just so off, right? I wasn't impressed with it. I just, I really wasn't. River Creek, though, is an amazing course, especially when they're, I mean, everything is green and they, you know, everything's kept. And you're just like, man, this is a nice course. You know, they've got a par five that's got like this huge 90 degree dog leg that turns to the left. And you can shortcut it if you've got like a five iron or something like that with a decent amount of lift on it and still distance, you know, as far as like, you know, that happy median, right? Mm hmm. The other two guys in my, my, you know, we had uh, Nathan and Chris. Uh, Nathan, we called him the Don, right? Because he's uh-huh. like, he, he looks like a short, fat Italian, right? Okay. And and Nathan, if you ever listen to this show, dude, and I know that I mean that lovingly, right? But then, you know, Chris is the dude. Well, because he's the dude, right? Okay. You know, or your dudeness, if you're into the whole brevity thing. Um, you You got that reference, right? Yeah, the, the, the Big Lebowski. Right? Yeah, Big okay. Lebowski. Right. So, so we went to River Creek and everything like that. And so, and I had won the hole before, right? I hold out first. So it would, you know, the rule is that if you hold out first, or if you if you win that hole, if you get the better score on that on the previous hole, you get to tee off on the next hole. Yeah. So <laughs> we get up to this this par five, and I'm like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I know I can't hit that shit for straight, you know, straight for shit. So I'm not. I can't lay up with a club to hit to that, you know, to get to that turn to where, you know, I have the longer shot down the straightaway going towards, or to, you know, down the fairway towards the hole. So I'm just looking at it, I'm like, I'm feeling cocky. So, you know, we all decide, like, you know what, I'm going to try to cut the corner. You know, I'm going to try to hit over that corner to try to get into the fairway. So I hit the, I mean, dude, it, and actually, I used a, uh, I used a three wood. I used a fairway fairway wood off of the tee. So I teed it up, and I just, I hit that thing, and it went straight. It went where I wanted it to go, and it was beautiful, right? It cuts the corner. It cuts the dog leg completely out of the hole, and it landed through the canopy in the trees, and it bounced out onto the fairway. And I was like, oh, man, that was great. But, you know, and that was the same day. Same day, they have this uphill par four. I hit onto the green in one, right? I mean, I drove onto the green on this par four. I still got a bogey on it because I can't putt for shit, right? <laughs> like, I lost my shit that day. But, like, you needed that hockey puck. The it, yeah, hockey the hockey club, club. right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, like, my best score ever, I mean, I shot, I, I shot an 89. Still shitty score, but I'm like, and I shot an 89 that day. I'm like, oh yeah, this is fucking great, you know. But 
I, and I keep threatening to clean my clubs up and like go out to the driving range and like one of these days just go play around a golf just to go, you know? I'm yeah. Like, yeah. You know, but you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you, you have those things that you enjoy doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like some people, they enjoy playing baseball and, you know, other guys play, enjoy playing golf and, you know, people enjoy playing football. But it's like when you get the opportunity to go do that thing you love at one of the most storied venues that are associated with your hobby or your sport, you don't want to do it. You do because you're like, you just want to be able to say that you did it. Like I had the opportunity to take the option of taking batting practice at Fenway Park, you know, in the batting cages under, you know, you know down on, you know, in, in, yeah. you know, by the clubhouses and crap, right? And I was like... I decided not to do it because it, to me, I would get in there and I would, I would suck so bad that it would be like, it would be a disservice. It would almost be like I'm putting my stank on the park and they would never, Red Sox would never win there again because I decided to go out there and fucking stink up the joint. Most golfers, they're like, man, I would love to go play around at Pebble Beach, or I would love to go play around at Augusta, or even the, the old course in St. Andrews in, in, in um, Scotland, right? Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to go out there and shoot 100 or 110 just to say I went there and I played that course. No, I want to get good so that way whenever I can play on that course, I shoot a respectable score, or I at least get close to par. You know, which is like seventy-two. I would love to be able to do that. Unfortunately, and, and and our buddy Zach Medford, he would he would attest to this. That is easier said than done, and it takes a lot of practice. Now, Zach is he's he's trying to get the money together to apply for his PGA card. So, um, and I mean, he didn't pick up the game of golf until he got back from Afghanistan. Huh. And. But he is like, he's a natural at it. Oh, really? Oh, God. I mean, the dude's good. I mean, he's not like lights out, scratch golfer, you know, where he plays with like a zero handicap or anything like that. Um, But, I mean, the dude's good. I mean, he'll have his bad days or whatever. He'll get out there and play scrambles and, you know. And really for like nerd sports one of these days, I just need to call him and be like, hey, dude, you need to be on the show. So that way we can talk about, the game of golf and how infuriating, infuriatingly peaceful it is. And yes, that, that, that combination of those two words actually works, but, um, well, it's just basically like hunting most of the time. It's, uh, you got your, uh, I was just talking to Marie about it. Uh, even, even like John Dudley and stuff like that, where they'll, they'll say, it's like, once you go hunting, you, every, you don't even want to touch your bow sometimes. Because yeah. you got those those super highs, and then you have those lows, and you're just like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Yeah. You know, like, I, I've got a whole, I've got like, uh, I got almost three dozen, four dozen, I've got almost four dozen broadheads sitting at the house, right? Uh-huh. And four dozen? Are you kidding me? No, stupid ass. I've got, I've got, I've got almost two dozen broadhead sitting at the house i'm thinking eight no six no no a dozen is 12 stupid look at me i'm smart and learning things i'm helping right now um <laughs> i had another wrinkle to the cortex there um but are we gonna keep this like right here now yeah 
right? I forgot I forgot to bring it down. Yeah, there you go. But um so you know, I'm just kind of like I want to go I want I, I want to go bow hunting so bad. Honestly, uh we're at the point right now where you don't want to. Uh, basically keep on practicing and then uh hopefully whenever it is, I think it's in April. It might be in March. March we yeah. will go to the tack. Yeah, um Hopefully, you know, as far as like time and everything like that, because with work, I mean, they know that I'm five and a half months away from, from leaving, Yeah, you know, for good. So, you know, I'm hoping now they're, <laughs> this is one of those I have to sit down with the boss and have a serious heart to heart, you know, like I'm going to need, you know, as, as that time approaches, I'm going to have to be like, Hey, I'm going to need to leave earlier. I'm going to need a couple of days because there's going to be a lot of traveling back and forth. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to get real familiar with the 287 to to um, uh, 35 to back to 287 to <laughs> to 45 then to 288. Yeah, I mean I'm going to get real familiar with that drive. And uh, you know the only reason why I would need to pull out my Waze app is so that way Master Chief can tell me there's police reported ahead. Yeah. Did you call for backup? You know? but, but back to my story a little bit. Uh, sorry, before I didn't you take did, that over. You totally took I, it I over. hijacked that shit. I'm well, so sorry. Well, I showed her. I, I showed. I, I showed her because I seen I seen the photos of her kid uh, shooting and everything, and they were just doing it with hands. And I, I just grabbed this like cinder block. I was like, place the cinder block. Right. First, she put it like uh, on top of the front part. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, no. It, 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 this is made to where if you have something like that, you can be t- in between the magazine well and uh, the handle up front. Mm-hmm. Put it in there. And I was like, okay, now you're going you're gonna to see like a 100% difference, maybe about 300% difference on your shot. She's like, really? I was like, yeah. Because uh, your third uh, point of... Uh, God, what is it called? I had it. I had it when I was talking to her with it. Uh, uh, but anyways, uh, the, your third point's going to be stable. Yeah. Because you got your shoulder, you got your hand, uh, handle or uh, trigger, mm-hmm. and then you got your uh, front par. Yeah. And she started shooting like that. She's like. Oh my god! I hit the orange. I was like, "Yeah." It's called, it's called the seated, or it's called the supported position, where there's the supported seated, supported prone, or the supported kneeling. So oh, no, it, no, no, no. It's, it's when it's it's when that it's when the front it's when the barrel okay is supported. It's always going to be classified as a supported firing position because you've got that you've got that that stability, whether it's external or internal. You're going to have that that support. Three points of stability. That's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. And on pistols, you only have like. One or two, yeah, depending on how you're shooting, yeah. Uh, and I showed her that, and she's like, I hit the orange. I was like, Yeah, you hit the orange. I mean, she was like, like high up there. And I was like, Oh, good, now even you though you orange. It's like taking a kid bowling, and the first time that they don't have to use bumpers, you know, it's like, Oh my god, I got a strike. Yeah, well, too bad that counted on the other guy's lane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> now we were, um, using, we were using the same target out, but the thing was is i got like three i got like three shots no i i think i got four shots in the orange but she finally got i was like well it's 
And I even told her, I mean, uh, especially with scopes and sights and everything with rifles and everything, it's geared for that person. Yeah. So if I was surprised you were able to sh- uh, hit the orange with my rifle because our uh, everything about me and her is totally different. Right. And I've noticed, like, because I shot your saint, and our, our, our zero is not that far off from each other. Which is weird because you're a right-handed shooter, I'm a left-handed shooter. So our points of our our our, uh, our sight pictures and points of aim are completely different. You know what's really funny? Try shooting uh, the 308. You shot it was almost dead on, right? Oh, uh, talking about Kenny's? No. Are uh, you a 308? Yeah. Yeah, I also shot Kenny's. Yeah, but my, mine was almost dead on for you, right? Yeah, and yeah, it was yeah the I had same to thing fix it. Kenny. I, I I had to fix it. Dad, when he was because uh, he was, that that's Dad's gun. And me setting it up with, uh, he set it up. So you're saying that your dad's zero and my zero are almost the same on that rifle? Uh, there's a reason for that, and it almost wasn't. He had his glasses off when he was zeroing in the first time. <laughs> really? Yes. So that's just, just happenstance. Okay. Oh, and, and, uh, and when, I set it up, when I set it up again, well, when I was shooting with it, when he actually uh, finished uh, zeroing it out, for, without his glasses on, right? Uh, I was like, "Boom!" Oh, I'm not even hitting the tar- I'm, I'm hitting all way over there. So I took the, you know, I I did the sniper thing. I took the dots. I l- looked at it and everything like that. And I shot the target and I shot dead center. He's like, "How'd you do that?" I was like, "Well, I judged where your bullet was going, and y- you're wondering why you're missing your shots. Remember, I told you to put your glasses on." Yeah, you just did. Uh, you yeah. jun- you adjusted the windage. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, Kentucky windage. That's yeah, called. yeah. Because I remember, like during our, our our BRM phase in basic, they were like, you can only zero in to so much, or to so you know to to you know you can only zero so much, but then you have to figure in your Kentucky windage, and we're like Kentucky. What the? F-? Oh yeah, the wind was horrible this. Well, week. no, and we're, and we're not we're not talking about wind drift. Yeah, you know, we're not talking about actual wind speeds, but it's just the, we're talking about the left to right. Yeah, you know, and because like you can only adjust those sights to to the left or to the right so far because yeah. they've got that mechanical limitation. That's well, the same thing with the bow too. Anyway, it is, especially oh, if you're going. Speaking like, of which, ooh, dude, I saw the craziest video. It's on TikTok. I, <coughs> I sent it to Mindy. I was like, ah, oh, I need this sight in my life. It is a laser range finding self adjusting bow sight. Yeah, I've seen those. Those where it's like the fucking whole thing ridiculously uh, uh, expensive right it's it like like you, a grand you, and, and it hit you know you paint your target and it tells you what pin to use mm-hmm. and then you just okay and i'm like oh that's so cool you know i mean to me it's the concept is cool because they think they, they they integrated the two different mechanical devices into one you know where it just tells you hey okay Instead of giving you a digital readout, it just tells you what pin to go to. You still have to zero that sight in, according to those the to those uh, distance mark or you know the yeah you have settings. to get them set up. But I'm like, man, that's just cool. I mean, to me, I'm like, ooh, flashy lights. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I went total redneck on it. You know, I was like, you know, like Jeff Foxworthy said, that's why you only hear about rednecks giving UFO reportings because it's like UFOs are reported to shiny objects like bass boats, fishing lures, and beer cans. You know, and I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. Oh, shiny lights. Oh, my God. And you did a button. You know, I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm geeking out. I'm like, a, I'm like a fat redneck who just hit the lottery and walked into a Bass Pro Shop. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, oh, if I ever hit the Powerball, I'm just sitting there going, I'm buying a horse, I'm buying this, I'm buying that. You know, I'm like, dude, I'm the same fucking way. It, you're just, like, thinking of all these kinds of stuff. And to it's me, like, at this point, I know it's just cathartic therapy for me just to be able to sit there and window shop during a daydream. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep a lawyer that eats other lawyers in this co- in this county for lunch. I'm going to keep them on retainer, you know? Because I'm going to do some fucking stupid-ass shit. No, it's not that I'm going to do stupid things. It's going to be like, go ahead and come at me. And my lawyer is going to come up here, and he's going to make you cry. And he's going to make the judge cry. He's going to make your lawyer cry. He's going to make your lawyer contemplate their professional decision. And, you know, it, but all that aside, I'm like, I'm going to buy this. I want to buy that. You know, it's not one of these I'm going to be broke in a year and a half, spending 300 million dollars. I mean, within reason, of course. Like, I want, I want to be able to pay for the house, you know, keep, you know, like, note-free, you know. Like, yeah. And then, and set a little bit aside so you don't have to worry about the taxes. It, yeah, you know, and, well, because if you take if you take the cash option, they pay your taxes. Like you get that lump sum minus whatever your taxes are going to be. Well, no, I'm talking about like the the ho- taxes on the house and everything. Well, with the veteran disabled or disability letter, I, I would offset that anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I'm 80 percent disabled, so if I were to t- in Texas, you take your disability rating to the tax appraiser for that county that you live in. Mm-hmm. Now you can only do it with one property, so if you own multiple properties, you got to pick and choose which one you want. Oh, okay. So, um, like if if you know when I move down there, I can take my my disability rating letter to that to the tax appraiser for the county. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we'll have to do. You know, they'll look it up and they'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, you're on the deed, so this, you are, you own this property. They'll, like, they'll take my 80% and they'll discount my property taxes by 80% per year. Oh, wow. And if my rating goes up, like, uh, I have a friend here that lives in town. He's rated 100%. He took his 100% letter down to the tax office here, and he pays zero property tax on his house. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so... And it's and it's a Texas veteran program, you know. So I'm like, all right, well that's cool, you know. So, and and it's not like they consider that income, like you know they don't sit there and go, well we're going to tax you on this eighty percent. No, no, no. I mean you're just paying that twenty percent, uh, you know the twenty percent difference. So, I mean even that, I mean that's dude, I mean that's saving like thousands of dollars a year. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, while you still want to take that out and kind of just, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and pay my property taxes for the year. You know, like, just go down there and be like, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and get this put on file so that way you guys don't charge me the full amount every year. I want to go ahead and take the time to pay my 20% now so that way you can't bug me, you know. Yeah. Which I, I, I have this huge problem with property taxes anyway, especially if, like, your kids don't go to school in that county or if they don't go to the public schools in that county like if they go if they're if they're if you're homeschooling why should i have to pay school tax if if you're retired and you're an empty nester why should you you should get an exemption from property taxes no my my thing on that is uh, why like you're paying the service of water but you're paying the property tax it should pay the water why is your water free right well it's because Places like Wichita County, you know, they go out and they get all those wireless water meters to where the water guy doesn't have to go and pop a lid anymore and get bit by a rattlesnake. They can just read that shit digitally 
Mm-hmm. And well, what they did is when they put in all those Wi-Fi, you know, all those wireless um, water meters, mm-hmm. they charged everybody to put those in because the county couldn't afford to pay for them. So up front, so what they did is they passed that cost along to the to the residents here in the county. And that's why everybody's bills went from like $40, $50 a month to $100 a month. And everybody's like, oh, I'm not using that much water. Well, like, well, we're paying for the, for the meters. The meters already been paid for. They've been paid for for a couple of years now. But the, pro- the price of water has not gone down. Well, they're citing, well, we'll drought this. And, and, well, we're paying for that reclamation project, which, by the way, they killed because it wasn't working. Yeah. Um, and... Like with this uh, lake trail thing, right? Yeah, they just stopped it because they stopped they, it. Those people are just up there, uh, like sitting around. Yeah, um, the Department of Transportation will re- is refusing to grant the money to to the city to finish that trail because the city has told them. Well, if we need to, we will use eminent domain to take these people's private property for them to complete this trail. Well, like, no. You know, had they done their surveys and everything like that correctly, and if they wanted to, uh, and, and in fact, the state told them, if you wanted this funding, if you wanted a grant to finish this project, you should have never put the trail where you put it, like the, the, like the additions on there. Mm-hmm. Like if American Legion Post 120 would have stood their ground, because um, the, the the trail extended from where it ended originally, mm-hmm. right yeah. there by the post. It it now goes through the back of their post, their property. It didn't really take anything away from the Wild Berg Sanctuary because they just put in a bridge that went over that inlet, mm-hmm. that cove. And now they took property away from Post 169, and it, you know they tried to continue it down. Well, it stopped at Larry's Marina. Because Larry Marina, Larry, you know Larry's, you know Marina down there on uh, Lake Road, mm-hmm. he was like, ah, no, he headed that whole thing up, because there's people that pop property along the lakeshore for the purpose of having lakefront property, and the city was proposing going in and running the trail, in some cases, three feet from people's front porch. Oh fuck. Yeah, and so the city was just so disconnected with well we wanted it this way well no you have people with private property they bought that property for the purpose of having it on the lake and now you're talking about putting a a walking slash running slash you know whatever trail three feet from their front door no negative ghost rider so you know as you know you go down along lake road it's got that that huge swath of just unused land across the street from these properties right these homes Mm -hmm. and even to an extent there's property on that side of the road anyway so they could have run that trail back behind these people's homes yeah and they could have connected it to the to the barnett road trails and it could have completed the trail right well as it is the the engineers and the and the architects for this trail Mm -hmm. they didn't really do their homework because like, if you go out there to, to 169, mm-hmm. if you go back there and you look where that trail's being constructed back there, they've got the bridge that comes across the cove from the Wild Burton Sanctuary. They ran concrete on that little finger right there. 
to another bridge that gapped that cove onto 169's property. Well, when that bridge comes down, they realized, oh, now they're they're going to take more property from us than they thought they were. They decided, oh, well, when you come off of that bridge, it takes an immediate 90-degree turn to the left and then takes another one back to the right to, to, to hug the, the So basically the what you're saying, it's a engineering mix-up. Oh, dude, it is, it's atrocious, man. And we're just sitting there going, these cyclists, they're going to come in, in rollerbladers, whatever. They're going to come off of these bridges. It, you know, I mean, they're going to be cruising around along. And they're going to eat it, man. You know, we're just thinking, how are they going to work that? You know, like, how are you going to keep your speed up? So, I mean, I'm thinking, we'll do a little NASCAR engineering here. We'll put a banked turn coming off of that. You know, I just see people, you know. But just like everything else that the government in this county in and city tries to put their hands on, it is the exact opposite of King Midas. I mean, everything that they touch turns to shit. I know. Like, when you go out to the MPAC and they've got all of that parking that used to be out there, it's all gone. They tore out all that parking lot to build that convention center with the hotel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, really? I mean, instead of building a brand new damn ass hotel... Buy the one over there by the falls, or you know, don't even buy the one by the falls. Tear that some bitch down because nobody's ever going to be able to use it again because it's in a floodplain, right? Yeah. Um, the 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 Holiday Inn that's right there by the retirement home. You know which one I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Buy that building and renovate it. It'd be cheaper. I think that one's still on a floodplain too. No, not as bad as the Sheridan. No, 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 no. The Sheridan. Oh, I'm talking about the one, it, it used to be the Ramada Inn or whatever. No, no, I know what it's you're got talking the elevators about. It, yeah. it's, it's really nice on the inside. Um, because, I mean, that one has gone, just like the one out by the falls, they both, I mean, they, they used to be really nice. And they went through so many ownership changes, they just kept degrading over the course of the years. Yeah, both of them really have. Yeah, like the one that's over by the impact, I mean, it had a glass elevator in it. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. Yeah, Kenny used to work there. Yeah. Um, they had a really nice restaurant in it, too, if I remember. It did. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, I'm like, just buy that building. And because it would be cheaper to renovate that one than it would be to build a brand new one. But now they've already gone ahead and cut their own throats, tearing out all that parking, which is going to drive attendance down at, at MPEC events like hockey games or concerts. It's going to drive the attendance down on it because people in the area are going to know parking is going to be a nightmare. And with any kind of construction site, you're you're risking having damage to your car. Nobody's going to want to go to a hockey game where the where the where the concessions are overpriced anyway. It's just the whole that whole thing should have been handled way differently from the get go. How much was the hot dog when you went when we went through for that con? Um, she said it was a ridiculous price. I just can't remember how ridiculous. I, I thought like seven bucks or yeah, something like Yeah, it was like that. $7 for a really craptastic hot dog. Yeah. I mean, it it wasn't warm. I mean, it was stuck in a warmer, but it wasn't like on on one of those rotating rotisseries uh, yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't in it wasn't kept in a, in in a water-based warmer. 
the bun was stale. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm just like, and then they offered nothing in the way of concessions. But, or, I mean, as far as, like, condiments were concerned, but. You know, oh, I, oh, we gotta get yeah, out of here. yeah, we got to get out of here because we're we're coming up in what two hours almost, but um, yeah, man, uh, I'm trying to think of what I got going on this week because um, I know that tomorrow I've got I've got a few errands to run because the only thing we got to do do tomorrow is I want to get the nerd sports out of the way so the next day on Tuesday yeah. we can do the other twos. Well, we need to get nerd sports done tomorrow anyway because the NFL flexed a couple of games to Tuesday night this week. Really? Yeah, so um, I'm going to go over the over uh, I'm going to go over the schedule for this coming week and I'm going to figure out what our picks are going to be so that way we can kind of get that a little bit better streamlined. Um, <laughs> because of some of the many many Amazing things that happened today in the NFL. The Lions beat the Cardinals. Yeah, I seen that. They whooped the Cardinals thirty to twelve. And uh, there was another one. Uh, there was another. I sent you it. Yeah, um, yeah, I saw that. Um, and I'll go over that. Um, the Colts beat the Patriots, and I we had to, we had that pick going the other way. Yeah. But um, yeah, as a matter of fact, I know that if uh, Tampa Bay ends up continuing on with what the let me take a look at that score real quick. Um, come on, come on. Load. The internet is so lightning fast. It's funny. Uh, Saints are six and uh, Buccaneers are zero. And it's ten minutes on the fourth quarter. Seriously? Yeah. But they're ten and three anyway, so they can... Oh, well, all they got to do is score a damn touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, fourth quarter. Um, So, but, yeah, no, I mean, um, if the Saints lose tonight, then the Cowboys can clinch their – Yeah, if if the Saints win tonight, then the Cowboys will clinch a playoff playoff spot. Yeah. A lot of the Cowboys fans are trying to – they're like, oh, we're going to the playoffs, we're going to the playoffs. I was like, okay. To quote Mr. Wolf, let's not just start sucking each other's dicks quite right yet. yet. <laughs> yeah. so. But anyways, thank you for watching, everybody. And uh, thank you all for paying attention to uh, our Facebook page. It's it's growing, too. Yeah, it all is. Of our, um, all of our stuff is Real going. quick note, uh, just something that David and I, or David brought up, and I'm looking at the whiteboard right now. Oh, don't mention that. We're going to do it in January. Oh, okay, fine. We're going to do it because I, I want it a little bit closer to February. Okay, so basically we have to wait two weeks before we say anything about it. Yeah. I was thinking maybe we can just drop a little bit of a teaser. Okay, okay. 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 In a world. Okay. So for our female faithful. Which we have 85% of. That's what. Yeah, so, our, so to our female angry faithful, keep February in mind. I'm only going to say two words. No, I'm going to say one word. No, I can think. I can think. I can do that in two words. Murder goodies. Yeah. Okay. Um, as we get closer to the month of February, we're gonna. We're we're gonna. We got to figure out what we're gonna put in it first. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I just I just realized they have those. Uh... Uh, I'll I'll talk to you after. We're... Okay. So basically, what we're saying is, tune in. Stay tuned in. Get your friends tuned in also. 
um, get them in on this. And it's going to be one of those like, share, uh, comment type yeah, deals. Yeah, it's going to be a like, share, comment so kind of a deal. Games. Yeah, so what we'll do is we, we have like a... We'll make a trip. We, we'll get it. No, you know what we can do? We can get a number generator. We, we can just go to like a number generator page and then we'll pick. They have, they have like apps where you can do that. Oh, I know. I know. But what I'm saying is what we can do is we'll, we'll signify the, vid the video that we announce the details of this February thing. We'll generate, you know, we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll, that'll be the, the video on YouTube that you have to generate, you know, you have to leave a comment on or we'll, we'll be like a Facebook post. We'll, we'll, we'll go I'd Facebook. Rather, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll go, go with Facebook. Facebook. So, like, on the post that we, we announced the details of this February thing that we're doing, we'll generate a random number and we'll go down the list. Yeah. We'll count. And that number comment will be our winner or something like that. Yeah. And, but uh, more, more details will be coming. Uh, that is your teaser. That is all you're going to get for right now. Yeah. Um, tomorrow's going to be a Christmas-themed nerd sports because uh it's it's the week of christmas man yeah yeah we it might really we might go a whole, whole whole week well because i'm uh, i'm going because um, i still gotta get an elf hat you better get that shit tomorrow i get it tomorrow because like i said the nfl's got games coming up on tuesday this week yeah. so we got to do our nerd sports tomorrow for uh, sure or if anything i'll just get a hat <laughs> or a hat, yes. Yeah. Um, God, now that you mention it, I do. I, I've got to find a Nerf. I, not a Nerf. Fuck. I got to find an elf hat or a Santa hat. Yeah. Jesus, I used to have one that had like the metal in it, where it like I could twist it up and make it like different shapes. Yeah. But I, I don't know what happened to that one. But anyways, I'm David Dickerman. I'm Johnny Skelton. Thank you for watching. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do.